<coughs> Can you hear okay? The uh, theme for the afternoon talk is a gradual and radical uh, change. There are a variety of ways in the human experience of There are the, the, the theme is gradual and radical change. There are a variety of ways in the field of human experience where we can explore change. Both matter, the two major ones really matter to us. One is from the external circumstances, that which is manifesting outside of ourselves, it can have an impact and that impact changes us. That impact which comes to us can occur through what we see, hear, smell, taste uh, and touch. So the world in its dynamic uh, activity, sometimes as it were with a certain intensity, sometimes as it were uh, gently and softly, but the world is changing us. And this uh, influence of what is uh, around, we need cognition of, to know. The knowing uh, of this is to be able to recognize in the daily life what kind of circumstances easily have uh, an impact upon us. With some of those in the field of change which comes to us, we may have some indication of and that might be in the contact and communication with another person whoever she, he or they may be sometimes we have a recognition that the influence which changes us is healthy it is wise and it is skillful people can very directly contribute to changing our life which provides us with the opportunity to open the heart for insight and, the, and understanding. We should not expect that all change comes from within. But it is incumbent, that means uh, encouragement for, for us in our cooperations and connections there. Are we on a very regular basis as here and elsewhere, placing ourselves in social environments which we know are healthy, supportive and beneficial. We cannot expect ourselves as human beings to do it all alone. We cannot expect ourselves with the condition of our inner life to handle and navigate our way through the whole range of experiences, concerns, priorities that we have. Therefore, to repeat, the regularity of association with the like-minded contributes in our receptivity to healthy and beneficial change. And if we keep that understanding alive and well with us, not only are we receiving support, 
But in our calm and clarity and day-to-day circumstances, we are offering it. And this mutual interaction is a real force for change. But change itself does not only come from without, obviously, but also, and equally also, can come from within. And that also requires from us the same mindfulness. It's simply shifted in the direction from the outer to the inner, sometimes from the inner to the outer. And in this relationship of change to the inner and the outer, it's vitally important to be able to look mindfully and, and carefully to keep calm and steady and to see when the reaction is. And I'll explain with an int- a meeting that the Buddha had. One of the great statements uttered on this earth. He was asked, Do I cause my own suffering? Do I create my own suffering? Is it that I I am responsible for all that's going on inside of me? And And I have created this. Somehow or other, I have done this to myself. And the Buddha commented, Don't say that. No. Is the suffering which I experience caused by another or others in the past or in the present? Is it that other people make me suffer and therefore they are the cause of my unhappiness, my anxiety, my worries, my anger, my guilt or whatever? And the Buddha said, don't say that, no. The man then said to him, is it a combination? Is it something about me, something about the other, she, he or they, and between us I end up suffering? And the Buddha commented, no, don't say that. And then the man finally then said to him, if it's not, if I'm not creating my own suffering, the other is not making me suffer and between us we're not creating our suffering is it then coming from somewhere else and then the list is is it coming from chance fate a circumstance it's our destiny an accident the hand of God it's just the way things are. There is nothing you can do. And the Buddha commented, Don't say that. No. Then the man gave up. <laughs> and then said, Okay, it's not me. It's not the other. It's not both. It's not the hand of God, it's not accident, it's not fate, it's not karma, it's not destiny, it's not just how things are, or whatever. Where does this suffering come from? Um, I could probably 
not answer and just say, well, thank you for the evening talk. And I'll leave it with you and see you in a year what responses come. All right. And then he says, to look at the conditions which bring about the suffering. Very important. To look at the conditions which bring it about. And if a human being who is interested, deeply interested in life and the manifestations of suffering as an example, really deeply interested and wants to know the conditions and keeps true to the conditions, there is no blame. There's no self-criticism. There is no finding fault and putting down the other. There is no anxiety. No attacking. One has looked at the conditions which brought something about. And it's in the conditions that we can find the resolution. And therefore, it is both inner and outer exploration there. And we just need to remember, when I'm in a blaming mood, self-blame, self-criticism, putting myself down, when I am in the mood of blaming and attacking the other for whatever she or he did or didn't do, just remember, if you can, if you wish, one is not seeing clearly. It's the judgmental, old, conditioned reactive, reactivity there. And therefore, teachings are the exploration which in that process it might require from us and often does some gradual change and to make and to be mindful of what small gradual change so I'm neither beating myself up or plotting to exterminate somebody else to find some middle ground between self blame and other blame in every situation without exception aren't we tired of attacking blaming finding fault being angry with fearful of others and ourselves surely we can find a, a way and that doesn't take away responsibility it doesn't take away accountability it doesn't take away expressing the voice and much, much more uh, with it. But the mode of being is to understand each other to see what are the conditions that bring about certain behaviour. <coughs> Politically, socially, personally, And if we take an interest in that middle way between this self-other extreme, perhaps we might uncover a complete, completely fresh ways of responding to things. I'm um, talking with uh, one of you here on the uh, retreat slightly related to the last few minutes or I may just go off on a tangent 
about something and then come back if I remember. <laughs> Sometimes we take a look at, look at the life and we say some change is needed. I don't wish, whatever it might be, to go in blaming and attacking either the other or myself, but there's a recognition of a change. And that exploration of that may well go against all the surrounding views. If you wish to know the, the teachings of liberation through the middle way, you will need a good pair of deaf ears. Deaf ears means you can't hear. Meaning, when people say, oh, you're naive, I get told this very regularly, you're romantic, you're out of touch, you're not living in the, in the real world, and my response, if you are living in the real world, and I am not, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer a world with, of the middle way. And if in the movement, that means the approvals and the disapprovals, the likes and the dislikes, the wars and the conflicts and all of that, in the exploration of the middle way, one will hear, almost guaranteed, the voices which are of blame or of fault-finding or saying we are foolish or naive or we don't understand or whatever. When you get the results late on Wednesday afternoon about the vote which is taking place tomorrow, as soon as you hear the result of the vote, as a small Dharma teacher, remember one thing, watch your mind. watch what happens watch what the views which are expressed watch the stereotypes that might emerge out watch the judgment, judgmental mind which might come to those who voted this way or that way or what's going on in Israel the country will be full of it tomorrow no, Wednesday. They go and vote on Tuesday, nightmare on Wednesday afternoon, and one has to work with it. But to watch the voice, to watch what one writes, otherwise you feed the problem. It's a blaming and attacking and fault-finding and unhappiness and despair it's part of the problem because the problem cannot be resolved through those means there's no history of it being resolved through a problem cannot be resolved through intensifying a problem it can only be resolved out of the problem it can only be resolved in the language you're using this afternoon through a middle way which is not carrying the weight of the judgmental mind upon others nor oneself. It isn't easy, <coughs> but it's surely important.
Sometimes in taking steps, changes, radical steps, and uh, fresh changes uh, uh, in our life. Sometimes, as I re referred to the person today, we are sometimes. I don't know if it's happened to you. You, you get an invite to do something which is thrilling and exciting with a bit of risk to it. Whatever. So, I'm not sure what that might be. It might be skydiving, it might be, what is it? Bungee, bungee jumping and um, swimming across a big lake or oh, all sorts of, oh yeah, climbing walls, climbing cliffs and uh, a whole lot of, lot of other things. There's a certain excitement and pleasure and risk and people are entitled to engage in engage in all of that but I'm not sure if it's the best way of taking steps and taking risk and I, of course 99, 9.5% it all works out nice and sweetly but I think sometimes in life it is taking steps and taking risks now which are in the service of people. That's where it's. That's where it's going into areas which are difficult. Those difficult areas could be in South Tel Aviv. Those difficult areas could be with the neighbours. A good friend of mine, uh, Israeli Israeli uh, friend, long-standing Dharma friend. She does extraordinary work, and. I was speaking about this with refugees and in a year she had been in Syria she had been in Turkey she had been in Somalia in um, uh, Nigeria in Afghanistan etc and giving support to huge numbers of refu uh, refugees and it's not like it's easy arriving with thousands of refugees with huge marquees and tents and food etc. The people are hungry and the people are cold and the people are thirsty. And she said, well, unloading and there can be in this rush of parents desperate, not for themselves, to feed their kids and having to handle all of this, thousands of them, and try to set up a refugee camp. That's risk. These are the bodhisattvas of the earth. These are the people who are taking remarkable uh, uh, steps. And the people who work in, the, in various networks and communities there and, and take steps and take risks with, with people. And that's part of a process of change. It's part of a process of women and men taking, some women and men, taking some steps to move uh, and to open out the life and one of the, one of the taking of risk uh, in that way and to give you a, just personally if I may if I may just a small uh, 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 account of this because I had a rather interesting dilemma in the moment I'll, uh, and I, I think my co-teachers may have heard me speak of this some years ago during the intifada I would go to Nablus Shem as you call it and while going there, <coughs> uh, it, uh, because of the Intifada, there were many, many checkpoints. 
And it's not easy to navigate through the various checkpoints and try to speak what is true, modify it a bit to please the guys at the checkpoint, and useful to get through to the next one. You know, lying there is not my cup of tea. So it's a little modifications to get through. I want to go and see that lovely hill outside Nabbas, which the religious people like to go and see. You know, that kind of language. So, which is true. Could I ever see the hill? Oh, yeah. Nice. And, um, <laughs> and the guy in the car, actually Samaritan, good Samaritan, uh, would navigate to miss as many checkpoints as possible. And finally, we got very, very close to Nablus. And we're going down a track, the end of the road, in the olive grove, to go through the back streets to get into Nablus to miss the checkpoints. And then suddenly, four soldiers, IDF, step out from there with the rifles. There. So another check. So they want to see what you're doing here, da, 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 the usual, all the, 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 the questions, and I act like the naive foreigner, you know, don't you know there's a war going on? Oh, that kind of voice. If you're a little bit naive, you can get quite a lot done in this world. And then, and then this is the point. It was a really hot summer's day. It was I think it was July. It was a really hot summer's day. Temperatures around 40 degrees. So there's Samaritan sitting there. And the officer, he was probably 22, 23 years of age, you know, early 20s, and three young soldiers uh, uh, with him. And then he, he said to me, we're really thirsty. Do you think you could get us some orange juice? in the local shop and I thought my first response was sod you you're the occupation why should I want to help you you shouldn't be here that was the first thought and the second thought which is very close behind it would be a risk for the driver and also a little bit for me especially at risk for the driver yeah. so uh, the driver understood English I said what should we do so four officers standing there looking in the car I said what should we do and the driver said Christopher I'm going to leave it to you <laughs> so I said to the two guy, four guys I said you can't have the orange juice for free that if we go and get the orange juice, four cartons of orange juice, one for each of you, there has to be an agreement. And you've got to keep to it. And said, okay, we're so thirsty, what's the agreement? And the agreement is, you do not shoot any Palestinians. And the second agreement is, you don't get shot, because your mum and dad will not be very happy about it. And they said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I mean it. He said, okay, yeah, yeah, we understand. So we drove down the track, there, looking over our shoulder, you know, down the track, got into the edge of Nablus, there, I got out of the car, walked in the shop, four cartons of orange juice, please. 
he turned around and then we drove back down the track dust flying everywhere although we still think no man turned the, the car around the four soldiers ran out rifles four cartons in front of me and I said remember the agreement don't get killed don't kill yeah 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 we looked around any Palestinian farmers around anybody else around couldn't see anybody here I'll take them boom oh thank you salam and we're gone like the rocket we went <laughs> so sometimes it's an odd phenomena with life just use it as a small example where one's engaged in something one's on the horns as we say in English the horns of the dilemma yes or no and something more important than the uniform more important than all the conflict there some small gesture but making it crystal clear as I did crystal clear I fundamentally disagree with the occupation that's all and then the meetings on the, with the workshops uh, exploring and advocating non-violence and much more of course so sometimes as I say to repeat a little bit if we take steps in life if we try to find our voice uh, uh, in life there may be a variety of voices which are going on around us and, and towards us this practice is learning stay steady with something as steady as, as possible with it, if one senses something true and authentic about it and those challenges will come they may come from your parents they may come from your friends they may come from the people who work that you work for or, or whatever but somehow or other if we're going to change this world it will if we're going to change this world we have to change in line with it the two must work together uh, here in the exploration of change it may require if you look at yourself and say and some of you have said to us we really want to make a real you know, change in our life there's a sense of the potential for the change if the change feels too big to make whatever it might be about at this time in your life just too big to make then it, it would be a great pity to say oh, I can't make this change circumstances do not allow me to do that I can't uh, do it then the voice has to be what are the gradual steps for the change we've got to keep change in mind because we are changing human beings life changes us we can change ourselves and to really state and know what changes can I make this day and tomorrow and the day after and stay true to it as much as possible no matter what anybody tells you and that gives extraordinary strength sometimes as human beings we are at our best when we take risk we are at our best when we can say 
quietly and clearly no to the voices which criticize and attack us and we can say yes to something which really matters to us which is precious and beautiful and stay true to the principle and by the end of this week I'm sure quite a few of you will already be in a situation where you're listening to the other you're listening to something deep and precious in yourself and you're going to be asking yourself who or what do I listen to? It will come. It will come. It will come like day and night rolls on these situations will come. In the making of change there it can be really useful to really recognize, to write it down, to give some reflection to it, what at this time in my life is worth engaging in to make the change. What in my life at this point, and sometimes with this, if we make a change, the change will bring about a risk because a significant change is a rupture understand the rupture it's a displacement it's a disruption from what was if I make a change it will disrupt it will disrupt the people around you it will disrupt your life it will disrupt the way of looking at the world and yourself change, authentic change is liberating because it's a break with the old and sometimes we recognize the way we have been doing things even if it's nice and comfortable and relaxed and easy which is, which is fine but the shift into the something which is new and the break from the old puts us into the unknown but my goodness me the unknown offers a lot the known is known it's got to be limited but the unknown that's where the interesting things are in the unknown and somehow or other we've got a bit afraid of the unknown and we've used you've probably heard this word a few times in your life we've used the word security and we are finding that security is not very secure is there any less any more security in Israel than anywhere else and is there plenty of insecurity like anywhere else so we have the mythology which is a polite word for conditioning which is a polite word for being programmed which is a polite word for propaganda around security and yet each day we are hearing reports you know as well as I do of the feelings of insecurity so all the propaganda 
or you get a secure job that's another mythology and a secure country and a secure marriage and uh, a secure whatever it might be and we find out it isn't secure and this insecurity with the unknown can we, not easy find a way to with certain areas to make a shift from the known and the familiar not absolutely everything but to shift from it to step into something new which is unknown the feeling will be somewhat insecure but has it got some potential because the habit for us is known it's boringly familiar and therefore we might need to explore something fresh and new and it could be as simple as a fresh way to look to relate to the person I go to bed with that can snap the habit disrupt the situation because one's got a fresh way is keen and the good partner might be pleasantly surprised because oh there's a new man in my bed <laughs> or a new woman or, or, or whatever or one has changed and the view there may be as one of my women friends said of her partner he really underwent a major change there everybody said wow he's really changed which was lovely she said but frankly Christopher I preferred his old self so it could be one makes a change in one's life it feels genuine and authentic but it doesn't mean to say that the good person in your bed tomorrow night is going to find it a thrill a minute understand making change does not promise those who are close to you that they're, they're going to be as happy about it as you are it's called, it's called life we can't live constantly trying to please the other we live for love we live for change we live for exploration Got nothing much to do with the talk, but it made me smile. <laughs> A friend um, said to me, there were three people on a desert island, and it's a story, but it has a sweet point to it. And the bottle on this small desert island landed on the beach and they opened up the bottle and a genie do you know what a genie is? jumped out and said to these three guys on the island you have three wishes one each And 
the wish that you make, it will come true. Okay, wow, three wishes. The wish I make will come true. So the first guy said, uh, I wish I was back in New York. All American guy. Having a hamburger and chips and Coke. Well, some of us, it's the nearest thing to poison. But anyway. Back in New York, in a diner, hamburger, chips and Coke. He was disappeared. Man, wow, he's gone. He's back in New York. The second guy, English guy, he said, God, I wish I was back in London. Fish and chips. <laughs> and a cup of tea. <laughs> Boom, he's gone. One guy left. Scratching his head. Scratching his knees. And then he said, God damn. He said, I wish my friends were back here with me to help me make up my mind. <laughs> Sometimes we are living like that. Sometimes we are living like that. We value our friendships. We value our contact. But sometimes the, the spirit of the human being, the voice, the emancipation of the, of the uh, human being, that we can trust it. We may not quite know what it means or where it leads. We, we're not asking for the approvals of others, but we're exploring that to make that action happen. years ago here about my um, uh, dear, uh, dear mother uh, mentioned this story uh, a few times now so she would write a letter to me bless her when I, was, I spent 10 years 10 days in the east most of them as a mother and at the end of every letter she would put P.S. not every letter but many letters when are you coming home? It was a mantra. And then she got tired of when are you coming home, so she made it W for when, A, Y, C, H at the end of these letters. When are you coming home? So I wrote there, and I didn't want to say, look, I have no idea. I said, well, some point in the future, you know, like that, pretty like that, ambiguous, indecisive, etc. So then I wrote one letter, because there were no emails and no phones, there were phones, but way out of, no money for the phone calls, and so one letter I wrote to, and I said to her, what would you prefer? Me, as I was before, that is a reporter, a journalist in London, as a journalist living in London, 
and unhappy? Or would you prefer that I am a Buddhist monk living in the forest in southern Thailand and happy? She wrote back, I would prefer that you were a journalist living, <laughs> living in London and unhappy. So, I stayed in the forest, <laughs> three years or whatever it was, or in the monkhood, and then eventually... Uh, so even with one's mum, one loves and appreciates, appreciates, and uh, not everybody does, but in my case, uh, there, that still sometimes we still find the voice just to say quietly, no. And in some of the occasions of the day-to-day -day life, that means during these years. So, my grandmother, who I love very much, died. Oh, you must please come. Please come for the funeral. You must come. We'll pay the ticket. If you come the day before, go to the funeral and fly back to the forest the day after. Sorry, Mum. Not coming. Your sister's getting married. You've got to be at the wedding. You can't let the family down. You really, really we'll, we'll give you the air ticket. You only have to come for 48 hours, etc. No, thank you, etc. Your sister's just had a baby. Are you sure you want to see the baby? After all, the baby is your nephew. Thank you, but no thank you, etc. Sometimes it's not easy. And when my father wrote, who never wrote, my stepfather, actually, uh, the only time he, he wrote, he said, I finished work, I don't know how old he was, 60, whatever it was, and he, his comment, or he's in his 50s, I can't quite remember, he was off work, and he said, I am really depressed, and I am on, with no job, I am on the scrap heap, understand scrap heap, on the dump. What do you mean? I'm on the scrap heap of society. I'm no, I'm, I'm on the rubbish heap of society then. Could you come? That was difficult. That was difficult there. Yeah. Remember a few, a few days with whether I stay or whether I have the duty as the son to uh, go back. So I wrote a, a letter, a long letter, and explained the circumstances uh, the, to stay steady, something was not complete. That means being uh, in the monastic uh, life. And precious response in just a couple of letters, because in ten years he only wrote two letters. Uh, my mum did all the letter writing. And he says, OK, son, I've got through this very difficult period and uh, I'll be OK. That's it. Just to use examples where it's genuinely can be uncomfortable for others in quite sensitive and tender uh, circumstances but perhaps our voice and our way of being has to trust in something even when we can't explain it to ourselves and it might sound very selfish and it might sound very self-indulgent but change gradual and uh, radical opens up the doors for us and something may emerge out of it which is precious and beautiful. And these teachings are really about that kind of 
liberating uh, process. And when I, I may stay with the personal for a moment or two. So after 10 years and 10 days of being out of uh, England, which I didn't miss for a day, and uh, arriving back home, so my parents wanted to come to the airport, 1977. Some of you will know this, you've been away for some time, they want to come to the airport. Knowing my mother, um, she would start crying, there would be a tsunami of tears in the airport, and people would be swimming for their lives. <laughs> so I said, Let, do not come to the airport, I'll, I'll come home, I'll meet you at home, I'll just come to the house. I wasn't very happy, but she said, all right, all right, all right, that's what you want. So I came back to her. And just a few hundred metres from home, there was a Sunday morning, I remember this, very, it was in May, left home April 26, 1967, got back, I think May the 5th or something, 1977, and a guy looked at, was doing his garden, you know, English people love their gardens, so he's up there at 10, 11 o'clock doing his garden and he looked up, he saw the backpack there and me walking up the street to home after 10 years and 10 days. And he looked up and he said, been on holiday? <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, yes. <laughs> For 10 years and 10 days. Blimey. <laughs> and when I got home, my mum and dad, my, fa- my mother asked me a lot. She's religious, my, my father thinks religion is for the kindergarten stuff. And, but he never asked one single word about these ten years and ten days away. I said, I mentioned it to my mum. He hasn't said a word. He said, it's my stepfather. You know. and my mum said to me, it's too painful. It's not that it's he's rejecting you. It's not that it's he's got no interest. It's not that he's cold or he's indifferent. It's just too painful that it was ten years away there. And I just mention this as a small uh, <coughs> uh, point. Sometimes with the other, whoever she he may be, we're in a process of change. We're endeavouring to keep trust because it's freeing us up, it's liberating, it might be of benefit for people, animals and the environment. And we're in this process, we're engaged in it, we may not know what the words or the silence of the other means. We may not know when somebody says something to us, what their intention is. We may not know why this person, she or he, is keeping silent. And it's very easy in this not knowing to jump to conclusions and those conclusions may be completely out to lunch. means inaccurate. And how easy that can be. So we have to talk to each other. We can quietly ask. We get a sense in a uh, 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 from the other and the other person may say well I don't know what to say I don't have the words um, I don't want to speak about it whatever it might be let's just be respectful 
to that human being. Let us not put pressure on him or her to come up with something. And just trust that in the reflection and in the communication, let the person change in their own way. interested in inner change and radical change we're interested in it within and we're interested equally without, with the other and sometimes as we know there are people on the earth that we know and we have to have a quiet trust that she or he in their own way that change may come our friendship our communication our love will be the best support for that change and our blame fault finding critical voice towards the other is probably one of the strongest ways to keep the other person contracted and how can a person change if they feel contracted how can they have a radical change if they feel contracted and if they feel contracted because of the pressure that we are putting on them. So in the exploration, just to finish here, just the exploration of awakening, of expanding the heart of clarity, and that exploration of the middle way as referred to, the principle of it applies inwardly and outwardly. Tremendous uh, undertaking. Let's have our quiet minute together, shall we? May all beings explore change. May all beings listen deeply to each other. May all beings live with great friendship and great wisdom. <coughs>